Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Welcome, world. I am so glad you are here. This is Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. You're listening to Transformational Energy Leadership coming to you from the heartland of America. Now, you know, during this show, I encourage you to go to my website over those commercial breaks, and it's transformationalenergyleadership.com, where you can learn more about me, my business, and so forth. And also, I delight in your emails. Please email me if you have are so moved at mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can find me on this platform on voiceamerica.com under the Empowerment Channel, and I'm on social media, Facebook, and LinkedIn. All right, today is a topic that strikes at the very core of every single human walking that or walking this earth, and I'm talking about friendship, that human connection, that kinship, that when it's fully present, it really fuels pure goodness in so many ways. And for me, I'm thinking about leaders out there. Can leaders really be friends with followers? And how exactly should we think about friendship in regards to when we're leading others, we're managing people, even in our clubs, our organizations and business? What, what does that look like? And that's what we're here to learn about today. And my guest, his name is Dr. Winfred Sedhoff. He is the author of the most recently published book called The Friendship Key to Lasting Peace, United Communities, Stronger Relationships, Equality, and a Better Job. Now, if that doesn't hook you, nothing will. It's, a, it's an excellent read, by the way. I did it. Cover to cover, good book. Let me tell you a little bit more about my guests. So, Winfred is a family physician specializing in mental health. He has over 25 years of clinical practice, and in his early 20s, he faced a life-threatening personal crisis that sent him into self-imposed isolation. So over a 12-month internal quest, he discovered not only answers to his crisis, but he uncovered a sense of genuine self, a journey he documented in his first book. It's called A Balance of Self, A New Approach to Self-Understanding, Lasting Happiness, and Self-Truth. And one final thing, Winfred Winfred graduated from the University of South Wales, Australia in 1987 and is an active member of the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. So if you haven't figured this out, Winfred is joining us from Australia right now. And Winfred, welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. Thank you very much, Matthew. Pleasure to be with you. I'm glad to have you here and, and I'm just excited to talk about this topic because Hopefully, everyone listening on the call can relate and connect with friendship. Now, I have to be honest, and or I have to say to all my listeners, when I read his book, in the very beginning, in the, in the preface, he said, candidly, I was raised a friendship skeptic. And I thought to myself, huh, this must be an interesting book. And so, with that, I'm, I'm going to lead off with my first question for you, Winfred. Why did you write a book about friendship? when you proclaim that most of your life you've been a skeptic of it. What changed your mind? Yeah, look, you bring up a really good point here. And look, most of my life I was told that work and study were the most important things. I mean, I think part of it's because of my German heritage. Uh, my parents immigrated from Germany 
Um, but I was basically told you're not supposed to spend much time with friends. You're supposed to mainly just work and study. And um, I, I, look, I thought I knew what friendship was about. And to be honest with you, I had absolutely no idea. And that's what uh, writing this book has certainly told me. Um, but what really changed my mind was actually going through some severe depression, which you sort of highlighted early on, uh, in my early 20s. And what it really taught me was uh, to get an understanding of depression in terms of basic human desires. In other words, what we feel in our hearts. And fascinating to me was I was actually able to use that to help people get out of depression. And within that, um, those understanding of those basic human desires, the fundamentals of who we are, I found a large part of it actually is about uh, the desires to have social connection, which I eventually would call the desires of friendship. And then as I started to explore more of that and see it in my patients and help them with their their problems, I realized, hold on a second, this is actually more powerful and, and more important than I thought. So I started researching it a bit, looking through history and what might have happened. Man, I couldn't have been more wrong about friendship if I tried. Man, we have mm. completely underestimated it, and um, I really have to, had to think about it again and, and do something about it. And we are. We're social, social beings. In fact, you talk about in your book, you say there are three selves that we really need to nurture, and that's your family, your personal, and the community. And just hearing you say that to me, you know, I read your book, but hearing you say it to me it reinforces that you are leaving out the whole thing about community. That's right. Yes. Um, my community self, as I would call it in the, in the little model that I use, was just so down. It was just unbelievable. I mean, I was basically socially ostracized when I was in high school and I never really got on with many people after that too much so it's pretty much an internal bookworm now, which is great to study um, and great to get marks but it just leaves a whole area of your life that's pretty hollow and empty um, and yes you can try to cover with other things but in the end that hollowness really stays with you unless you've found something that can actually fill it and that's what the connection is about and I found that I wasn't the only one and particularly when I was treating people I was noticing it's one of the commonest reasons I find for people feeling down and depressed these days because loneliness is so common in our society right now and it's getting worse. Winfred, I just came across something recently in the past couple of days that said friendship and or kinship was the term they use, but I, I liken it to friendship. And it said friendship or kinship is the number one predictor to health and happiness, even more so than diet or anything else. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I have to give it 100% agreement on that one. And from personal experience and clinical experience in helping people out of depression. But I'll be honest with you, I, most of the mental illness that I see, and even a lot of the physical illness, would probably go away if we just had greater connection with each other. Uh, I think it is that integral, and we've just neglected it so much. We are such emotional beings who thrive on relations with others and... Yeah. Wow. Could you just imagine, you even posture this in your book through so many examples and things that you talk about that just imagine if the world stopped and really came at things from at that friendship angle, what a different place this would be. Oh, completely. In, in fact, uh, one of the things I actually surmised is that I created a bit of a science fiction book looking way into the future to see what that kind of society might look like. And surprisingly, just if we imagine that we're actually focusing more on respect and listening and caring for each other, um, just how much more united our families would be, how stronger our relationships would be, um, how even how better our businesses would be. Because um, well, as we can talk about later, I mean, if we have a lot of friendship involved in business and, and leadership, we actually create a lot of success on multiple levels for a lot of different people. It actually has... It actually spreads throughout society and creates enormous positive change. 
And look, I didn't believe that was the case until I started writing the book and saw some of the potential that it had. But yeah, look, that it, the future can look really bright if we just focus a little bit more on friendship. Mm. All right, so listeners out there, he's got another book coming out, and I I'm already have it written down in my in my queue here. Okay, so Winfred, what you just said, and I think this is a nice springboard into my next question for you, and that is, you know, when we think about friendship, what are some areas or issues where you feel friendship might be useful for us? Okay, look, I could write a list as long as your arm. I mean, it, to me, it's that <laughs> fundamental. But I mean, look. We can start with the basics. I mean, how many of us are lonely? So friendship can certainly help us stop feeling lonely. It can help us get connected with people again. So that hollowness that I was talking about isn't there anymore. Uh, and we're living in a very disconnected society, so that's going to be very prominent. It then also, like I said, helps us with depression. I found it helps with social anxiety. It helps with creating closer and much stronger relationships. So I actually use it to help people who are struggling with relationships to reunite and actually write chapters in the book on how to do that. Uh, and then, of course, it helps us to unite as communities. How many of our communities at the moment are being torn apart? Um, and it's not just politics. Wow. We're talking about hatred mm-hmm. that's gone up big time. Um, mm-hmm. It's happening all over the world, and it's just ridiculous. Of course, friendship can also help with settling inequality, and we can have a talk about that later if you like. And it reduces corruption, helps us with the environment. I mean, if we respect each other more, we're more likely to respect our environment, which I think is very important. And We've seen some activity happening in the news about that lately. And, of course, then we get back to business. Business and the economy are what I've found interesting about friendship. It makes um, businesses more stable, um, successful, even on a global level, which I found was was interesting. I found some examples of that. And it makes it a happier place to be, eliminating bullying. I mean, how many of us would like to go to work and not be bullied? Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Be great, yes. I... Yes, I, I agree with so many things that you just said, and we will. We're going to dive into that business part in the next segment of the show. And, you know, before we go to commercial break, we've got about, oh, I'd say about three minutes left. And, Winfred, I, I don't want to let all your secrets out. The listeners, they've got to buy your book because it's just good stuff. And in your book, you address these 10 desires of friendship. And we certainly, I, you know, we just don't have time to go through all 10 of them. I have to say, though, as I was reading through them, there were two that really stuck out to me, and that was being valued and being heard. Those two things, I just went, wow, you're right. When those things are in play, for me, I have a stronger connection relationship with people. So if you wouldn't mind, just talk about those two dimensions, and then we'll go to commercial break. Yeah, sure. Look, I have to agree with you. These are really imperative, and um, the valued one in particular, I mean, that's really primal. And it really comes back to our tribal existence. Who we are inside is still basically very tribal. And to not be valued when we're in a tribal situation was basically possibly going to kill us. If we weren't of value to our tribe, they could discard us and we could die. So deep down inside, we have this desire to be valued. Um, and how do we make someone feel valued? I mean, I talk about it in the book, but essentially it's about making time for people. Uh, these days we're often so busy we don't do that. So valued is really a really important part of who we are. Feeling valued is very important. And that's also linked to feeling heard. Heard for me is about um, being listened to, I mean really listened to, someone paying attention to you and try to understand where we're coming from so we can tell our story. I mean we've all got a story to tell. We all want other people to get where we're coming from. It just helps us to unite and join and bond so much better together if we can do that. Of course, it takes time to do that too. So it means sitting down, listening, giving full attention and eye contact. 
It's all those things that we like when... I mean, if we like other people to listen to us, we can pretty much be assured that other people certainly want to um, be heard as well. And I think those two are really, really critical in helping us to bond together because these days we're just so busy we don't do those things. Mm-hmm. I would venture to say as well, when you're in a dynamic with someone and there is the sense of, wow, Winford, you're, you're really listening to me and I can tell that by your nonverbals that you're leaning forward, you're engaged, there's eye contact, there's all those good things that are happening. But I would also say, and, and you're, you're the doctor here, so in terms of mental health and things, I would posture that when there's this dynamic going on between the two of us, that there's these positive neurochemicals that are going through our body. Like what are the serotonin and dopamine, like the ones where make you feel good, like eating chocolate. And did I get yeah, that right? Are those the right chemicals? <laughs> oh, yeah, look, dopamine, dopamine is the main one that seems to give us this wonderful high. Um, and, of course, it's spread around in different parts of the brain. The brain's a little bit complicated that way. But essentially, you're right. What we're doing is we're triggering a part of the limbic system. The limbic system is sort of like our reptilian brain, and it's saying what our real needs and desires are. And so when we make that connection and we have these people who actually make that depth of connection with it, it makes us feel really good. Okay, it actually is a wonderful little hit. So it's one of those reasons that kind of reminds us, hey, we're social. We should have friends. We should have this connection. We should be listening and talking to each other and making time again for each other. Uh, and they, they're some of the things what friendship is about. It's actually putting people right up there as our priority list again. And there you have it. As we go into commercial break, you should your mind should be thinking right now, wow, just considering the friendship, what it means and how Winfred came out of while looking at what the value of it is and on so many levels, the impact of having solid relationships with others has a net positive gain by exponential factor. So we're going to dive even deeper into this because I know for me, I really want to hear what Winfred has to say about friendship and business and leadership. So here we are, commercial break. Come back here in two minutes and over that break, go to my website, transformationalenergyleadership.com. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Pauline Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. 
Are you a game changer in disguise? Are you tired of waking up every day saying, they soar like eagles and I'm stuck in the nest? Well, wonder no more. It's time to soar. Of the world's millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, almost all started with at least one unique idea. Join Crystal for a controversial look at triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a fun, financially free life with their successful guests. Listen to Soaring with Eagles on Voice America Empowerment and get ready to soar. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back, everyone. And today we are talking about friendship in the context of business and leadership. And my guest is Winfred Scott. He's the author of this book. It is called The Friendship Key to Lasting Peace, United Communities, Stronger Relationships, Equality, and a Better Job. And Winfred, before the break, we were talking about you being a friendship skeptic, and now you're publishing about the merits of friendship. And I I just want to keep this conversation going. In fact, I tease the audience that coming into this next section, we're going to talk about really the positive effects of of friendship and then bringing into leadership and other things. So let's start right there. Do you see, and I think I, I know the answer already, but do you see a relationship between positive, effective leadership and friendship? Well, look, I'm glad you know the answer. Great. I'll just confirm it for you. Look, to me, it's absolutely (laughs) integral. Yeah. Um, Look, uh, there is no doubt about it. I mean, for me, the best leaders are the ones who bring the best out in us as people. And to do that, that means respect, support, people who can unite us and help us to become more effective and the best we can be and be a more productive team. And look, that is the heart of friendship, and it's always been the heart of friendship. Okay, these people do... It's, I think about those wonderful mentors we may have had. Some of us may have had this wonderful ability to have these lovely mentors. And they aren't people who bring us down. They're usually people who are very kind to us, very nice, very respectful. And they raise us up. They listen to us. They give us all the attention, and they give us support. So to me, friendship is absolutely integral into being a great leader. And look... If we even go back into tribal societies, tribal societies, the best leaders, um, they had friendship as part of what they were doing. And people would just follow them because, and they're a great example. And I think that to me is the key. So friendship helps us to be that wonderful example. Mm. I like how you do talk about in your book, when we look at tribes and the ones who got along and the ones who didn't, and there's that fundamental connection of friendship between the tribes. And that translates to today, really, when you think about groups or, you know, within an organization, for example, people being in different silos. But when those friendships are made, those connections are made at a human level that it just promotes such a positive feeling. I'm, I've been in companies where you walk in the door and you can just feel that it's not healthy. And there's that culture piece. Yeah. You know, there's so much written about that. What I hear, and then, yeah. of course, there are the companies where you feel great. And I think what I hear you saying is at the fundamental level, it's because there is that respect and that support, which translates to friendship. Completely. 
In fact, the funny thing about tribes is when we think of tribes, we think that they've got some sort of hierarchy with a chief and giving orders and all that kind of thing. But the reality, that's not true. Tribes were based on, based on consensus, where everyone was considered to have an equal voice. And the leader, um, the person who was considered to be the chief, had a more, um, was more of a, a role that was of a show rather than of giving orders. So that if, they, if, somebody, if a leader gave orders to someone, they'd just laugh at them. Okay. Mm. It was one of those kinds of relationships. But they were very wise and they'd certainly listen to them. But there was no true hierarchy. And that's what allowed them to um, have good discussions. I remember one tribe, for instance, had what was called a talking tree where they would actually sit under the tree that had very low branches when they ever had, whenever they had a meeting. And the reason they would do that is because no one could stand up. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, lo- I love the metaphor. I can see it. Pardon? Yes. We could yeah, all then talk it. one-on-one as equals. We sure can. I And, you know, there's a fundamental concept that all of us coaches use, and that is, I look at you, Winfred, as my teacher and also my student. And if we look through that lens of, there's something so much so valuable that you have to teach me, and I have something hopefully to pass on to you, it goes back to that respect and that value piece that we talked about earlier, right? So, I, I, I love it. You know, Winfred, one of the things I talk about, one of the pillars of my show is really about energy. And I, I really believe that we've got this this drive of energy or this energy that we bring into any any situation. Any you know, you walk into a room and there's it's a combination of anabolic energy, which is really growth oriented and it's positive growth. And then there's also the anabolic, which can be to a certain sense depleting. You have to have both for survival's sake. And unfortunately, some of us lead. I think most of us lead with anabolic, but I think some a lot of us also lead with a catabolic. And when from your perspective, you know, when you're thinking about energy how how I just positioned it and friendship and leadership what are your thoughts on that combination of things you look the first thing that comes to mind when I when you bring that sort of idea to me is that we get what we give so if we go into a, a communication or try to develop a connection with somebody else and we're going in there and we're already thinking that this person's probably very different to us which then more likely to make them an enemy and they're not going to like us and we're not going to do very well with them then we're already setting out, like you talked about before, body language and the way we behave with them. So they're going to pick up that up on us. They're going to pick that energy up on us. And then they're going to start treating us like we're not their friend, that we're a potential enemy. Whereas if we go in there with the positive energy of believing that, yes, these people, this is another person who can be my friend. And we focus then on looking at the similarity or sameness, which is one of those desires the 10 desires, we look for similarity in them. We find commonality in whatever we can find in them, in talking small talk and how they look, how they dress. And we look for commonality on a regular basis, then we create that energy inside us of being a friend to them. And of course, if we're a friend to them, they're more likely to be friendly to us. And then we've Mm -hmm. just got this great connection happening again, which actually becomes very positive, and then we can work together better. And that works very, very well. So I agree. I mean, the energy, I think, is very important. Um, actually, there's a little analogy of how our brain kind of does this. And that is, I have a little saying about this, and that is our brain loves to... Re- we can rehearse our own success. Our brain works on brain connections. And if we go in there already rehearsing the success of what it would be like, our brain will put that plan into place when it recognizes we're supposed to put it in there, and then we act it out. So this is sort of like doing that. You go in there, you rehearse the success of your friendship, and you're more likely to have friends. 
Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Your, I, I love what you said, your, even your opening phrase, what we, we get, what we give. And your, it, it caused me to think, and again, it's a reminder of reframe or, or it's so much about framing. So the next time I walk into a room, I mean, it's my goal is to make friends with people. And what, what does that mean? It means about finding commonality. And then what you said is a, it's that brain, working the brain energies and those connections. So it's a, what a great takeaway for all of us to be thinking about with this conversation is how, how can I make friends with people? Well, I'm going to look for commonalities instead of focusing on the things I don't like about a person. Exactly. Hopefully I got that right. It's very simple. Yes, as long as I got it right. So I want to make sure I got that one correctly. No, 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 that's, so, that's very true. It, it's, it's a little key to the door. Mm-hmm. But it's a very yes. important key. And I believe in your book also you had some recommendations for the reader about how to make connections with people you don't know. And you, we don't necessarily have the spill them out here, but just a teaser for the, the listeners. It's a great book to be thinking about how to make those connections. So along that line, exactly. Winfred, I want to... I want to ask you, you talk about close versus casual friendships. And so, yeah, my question for you is how do both fulfill our human needs? Well, to me, this comes back to being tribal. As far as I'm concerned, any friendship is better than no friendship. So let's make as many as we can. And we're, to me, the closer ones are the ones that meet more of those friendship needs in a greater depth than, say, the others do. But, of course, we can't be close friends with everybody, and some people we're just not going to get on with to that level. But we don't have to. We can still be respectful, listen to them, meet all those other needs as we did before, and we can even do it in a professional manner. Of course, there's no point in, for instance, being a doctor like myself and then developing a close, intimate friendship with a patient. Okay, that's mm-hmm. not going to work out mm-hmm. very well. And no, we know that. And we've got ethical rules stop us from doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, I can still meet a lot of friendship needs simply by being with that person. I can care for them. I can show that I care for them. I can listen to them. Okay? I can validate their concerns. I can make them feel heard. I can make them feel appreciated for what they're doing. I can support them in what they do. And I'll be honest with you, a large part of the work that I do is being a friend to patients, and it just helps them get better. So mm. close and casual friendships for me are, are both very, very important. They both fulfill our needs because, remember, once again, we're tribal. The more people we can have around us who we feel around who can meet these needs, the more safe and secure and content we feel. Mm. It makes us happier and satisfied people. Absolutely. I remember there was a section in your book you were caught, you were referencing some work, and I'm very I'm familiar with it, about the optimal size for a tribe is about 150. And then you took that... Yeah. And you also brought it into what does that mean in terms of friendship? And I remember something about really in our lives, we probably have, what, five super intimate close people where we share our true emotions. Maybe it's even one. But then when you start to go out, yep. what I think it's 10 to 15, where you've got your – you confide in people and then you go outwards. It, am, am I remember that, remembering that correctly? Yes, exactly. That was the work by Dunbar. Dunbar was a bit of more of an anthropologist and a bit of a yes. psychologist. He's a bit of a specialist in friendship. So they call it Dunbar's number. Dunbar's yeah. number, that's he did right. He history on this and looked, at, and looked at how it applied in different scenarios. So he saw it in tribes. He also saw it in the size of some of the legion, the Roman legion. Okay, mm-hmm. Their numbers were basically built up around those kinds of figures as well. But it is true. 
most of us are going to have probably up to five really close friends that we can maintain. And then we're going to have those who may be a little bit less close. And that, yeah, you're right, that can be about 15 or so. Um, 150 seems to be about optimal if you believe in brain sizes correlated to what um, the right size of friendship is, being, is supposed to be, which is what he was trying to, sh to show. And if we get above 2,000 or so, then we just can't remember faces anymore. We can't mm -hmm. put faces to names anymore. So we are made to be social beings, but within a certain size group. That seems to work yeah. best for us. And, you know, I, I want to tie this back together before we go to break because we started the conversation with, you know, how do we see relationships and leadership? And everything that you just said there is we – all of us have the power, the energy within us to – you know, go into any situation and say, real, realizing that what I put out is what's going to come back to me and to go with that mindset of friendship. And then there is a true need. You, you have to have your close friendships and your casual friendships. And what I just heard you say, you know, in towards the end of all this is that, yes, we can have those casual friendships as leaders and it still changes the way that we engage and interact with others. And then so we have to have them. It doesn't mean friendship has to be that close intimacy. As leaders, we can be casual friends, and that's good, too. It's perceived as something different. Does that bring it all together? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a very good summary. Thank you very much. That's very good. We'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. thanks a lot, Winfred. I appreciate that. Okay, we're going to go. I have a big question for you after the break, and that is, how do we fix m broken friendships? So... You think about that, and when we come back from the, great, from the break, listeners, we're going to learn more about what all that means. So stay here. We'll be back here on the other side in a couple of minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On Life-Altering Events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung Life Transformation with Dr. and Master Shaw with host Diana Gold Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shaw. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in for Five Blossom Radio. Each week, host Denise Richard will discuss common interests in the fields of art, health, and spirituality. The series is arranged into three parts, focusing on five blossom gatherings, the Four Voices program, and Fires of Compassion. Every program is available on demand, so if you miss any part of the series live, be sure to catch up. Five Blossom Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, we're back here, and today I'm talking with my guest, that's Winfred Scott, about friendship and leadership. He's the author of the newly published book titled The Friendship Key to Lasting Peace, United Communities, Stronger Relationships, Equality, and a Better Job. And I, I queued you up, Winfred, you know, before we went to break, and I said, okay, one of the things we need to address here is when a friendship is compromised, how do we go about fixing it? Yes, great question. Well, we can't use super glue. That doesn't work. So <laughs> what I normally recommend is we have, I go by a simple premise here, and I go by the idea um, that we, if there's only one person we, we can ultimately change, and that's ourselves. So mm. what I learned with the understanding these friendship desires is that ultimately we can't make somebody meet these desires for us. So the first step to realize is what desires aren't being met, and then what I find is very useful is then for us to try and meet them more in them. So if we're not feeling heard, for instance, or valued, we spend more time with them and we listen more. And a lot of the time, of course, if we do it, other people are more likely to do it too. That's thanks to our number five, our design number five, which is the sameness, which means that we like to do similar things, as well as look for commonality. So we can then become the example, and then by doing that, uh, we can then fix the relationship or the connection uh, and the friendship by working on what is missing. So... If, of course, that doesn't work and they're still struggling and they don't know how to do it all, you can always get them my book. Absolutely. Go go to the book, everyone, because what Winfrey's talking about, I like how you're saying that the one we ultimately, we can only change ourselves, but then it's really looking at what desire is not being met. Practical, simple advice, yet it's not always obvious. So thank you for that. You know, you've spent, you spend a good portion of your book also talking about societal norms and, you know, we're talking about cultures, gender roles, the interplay of neighboring communities, which I alluded to earlier, in times of peace and turbulence. And leadership is definitely imperative in, in all of this. So my question for you is you talk about the power of one single question, and that is, am I putting friendship first? Why is this that one power question? Well, look, I I find it useful on many, many levels. For the the first thing, it gives us an opportunity to pretty much change every aspect of our lives. And it does that by, first of all, making us aware. It makes us aware and to have a look and see what are my priorities in this. Am I putting friendship up there high in my priorities or am I putting something else up there, like maybe making extra money or whatever it might be? What is my priority? And then what are the effects of me doing that? I mean, what effect is that going to have on my family? Is that going to allow me to have time with my children? Is it allowed, going to have time with my family, my friends? Um, is working for the bigger mortgage really worth it compared to um, spending all this time with important people to me, people who actually fill my heart? So I find the question is very useful in every day in almost everything we do, from what we buy to the important decisions we make about what job we might do, where we might live, 
All of those things can be changed simply by asking that one question so we can then make a more informed choice about what we're doing. So we can actually see, okay, this is what I'm choosing and this is what my end result will be. And of course, if I'm choosing friendship, at least I know how it's going to help me with people. Mm. Okay, so that should, for everyone, that should be top of mind. And, you know, you've brought up various tribes and things, and I, I want to address that even more, and that's really what can we learn from indigenous cultures? Well, it's interesting. I think we can learn a lot. And before I started researching all of this stuff, I really didn't think we could learn much because I grew up believing that these are primitive people and what can they teach us? I mean, we've got all the technology. We're doing really well. We're successful. They're primitive. They've got nothing. Um, what the hell can we learn from them? But then as I was learning about the basic human desires, what I've learned is that, look, we, we're pretty much the masters and specialists of technology, but those traditional cultures, they are the masters and specialists of connection and of being fulfilled human beings. They're the ones mm. who can meet those basic human desires probably better than any of us. Because if we think about it, they've been trying to refine that for thousands of years in a lot of cases. And so they've got, a, they've got their own ways of doing things that can actually work quite well. And I mentioned one particular tribe in there that I talk about a few times, and that's the Iroquois, which are a group of five tribes uh, in the North American continent near the Great Lakes. And look, they've, they had a very successful democracy for at least 150 years where they weren't fighting with other tribes. So they weren't expansionist. They weren't having wars all the time. They lived mostly peaceful lives where everyone was feeling fairly content and doing very well for themselves. So I've learned that, yes, even as Western society, we like to think that sometimes these people are warlike people and they got on badly and they're always fighting and it was horrible. But if you really investigate it with an open mind, you'll find, no, there's actually a lot we can learn from them because a lot of them were very, very peaceful. The other example I give is often the Australian Aboriginal culture and they've been pretty much peaceful for sixty to 70,000 years, which I think is pretty amazing. So I like to think that we can integrate the parts of learning about our humanity from those indigenous cultures and then integrate it into our modern uh, technology and modern lives. So I think we can get the both, best of both worlds. That's my dream. And I think it is possible, but first we have to recognise what those basics are and maybe ask them and reconnect with them a little bit and maybe learn from them a little bit more as well. Uh, and what desires are not being met. Yes. Exactly. Right. You know, let's ask you, I, I, this gender, this was an area... This is an area in your book, too, that I found interesting. And so, you know, when you think about this, why aren't more white men vocal and supportive women? Uh, look, that's a huge topic. Um, it's huge. In simple <laughs> terms, I'd have to say... A large part of it, I was going to summarize it, has got down to do with self-image, the image is who we are, and with part of that comes down to basic desires, the differences between men and women, which I go to in the book. But I think also a large part of it is just fear uh, of losing what we've got. A lot mm -hmm. of us white men, and I'm a white man, are fairly privileged, and we have a lot of power, and we're not wanting to give that up very easily. And if we have an mm -hmm. image that this is an important role for us, like, sort of like being the provider and protector, if a woman comes along and tries to do the same kind of role, I mean, that can be very threatening because, like we said before, we all want to feel valued. And if this is the only way we feel valued, uh, there's a fear there that we may actually be superfluous. We might not be needed at all. Mm -hmm. And that can be a very powerful fear. That can make us want to get the women not to threaten what we think is our own privilege, okay, mm -hmm. our right as a man. So it's a large part of the definition of who we are. How that came about... 
And what that means, of course, I explain more in the book, but yeah, that's, a, that's sort of the gist of the summary of mm-hmm. probably how I would describe it now. Yeah, and I like your summary of that, and it should be enough for people, if you're interested in learning more about what, what he's talking about, it's it's really interesting, it's compelling. You know, I, what, I, mean, I have to ask you, Winfred, was there, you know, through all your work that you've been doing on friendship, was there a personal experience you had that helped you realize the disconnect people have with each other all over the world? Yeah, look, it, it really comes back to that critical moment in my life when I suffered that depression. And mm-hmm. when I went on that internal journey to get an under- self-understanding and understanding those basic human desires. And what was fascinating after that was coming back and then I asked a question which led to another book after The Balance of Self, which was uh, a book on women. And I was, what I was trying to understand, because I was seeing a lot of women, particularly mothers, struggling badly, but also just um, seeing women treated badly in our society. So I went back and had a look through the history and realized, hold on a second, there were a lot of cultures there where women were really revered. Okay, mm-hmm. They were treated right up there, almost like royalty. And then I compared it to where we are now, and of course women are not doing so great right now. And as I was doing that, I came across this idea of three desires that I learned, because I was interested in these human desires and how they affect us, three basic desires that developed when we became farmers that were absolutely devastating for friendship. And they led to massive wars, to building of empires, to slavery, massive inequality, poverty, you name it, all those bad things we worry about, we can really put down almost to three desires. I know it sounds simple, but it kind of seems true. And then I found that um, we still haven't really learnt from all of this. So what I've learnt, what taught me all of this was understand our desires, listen to our heart, understand what is missing in our lives, understand what our body and our mind wants from us, and we can then get an understanding for why we do what we do and how important friendship is and how it can actually fix so much of our problems or so many of our problems. Mm. Yes. It, can really, it comes back to those desires again on an individual, on an organizational. And you know what? Let's, let's wrap up this, this segment of the show talking about bringing everything back to our organizations as that we lead. What are friendship-friendly businesses? What do those look like? Okay, so to me, my way of looking at a friendship-friendly business is one that actually meets those 10 desires of friendship very well. And Mm -hmm. what I did is I broke those down into some certain qualities we can look for in businesses and create ourselves. And I looked at different types of businesses that would actually, that already exist, that have some of these qualities, that are already successful. And what I found was there are certain qualities we can all strive for and that they have in common, and that is, First of all, they have kind of flat hierarchies. They don't have a lot of top management and a lot of management all the way between the top and the bottom. So a lot of the time, the people on the bottom can actually talk to the people on the top, so to speak. Um, There's a lot of worker loyalty and there's customer loyalty, which means people are important. We don't just fire people at a willy-nilly and we make sure our customers become very important and we develop that close relationship with them. Um, We also have shared values and goals, which brings us together as a team. And that certainly helps us to work together and uh, unite us as friends. Um, And long-term stability. A a business that is friendship-friendly really has to have long-term goals. It's not there just to make money and then go bankrupt and then just pay the big people who own the the company off. It's about helping the business stay stable so everyone can have a nice quality job. And to me, a family-friendly business is also... uh, A friendship-friendly business, sorry, is also family-focused. It does take the family into consideration 
Um, and it can actually create a family atmosphere, which can be very helpful as well, and often community-orientated. A lot of friendship-friendly businesses will be community-orientated, and there are several, for instance, in Germany that are very good at that. They, they help their communities out as much as they help um, create employment and look after the people around them. And, of course, uh, friendship-friendly business to me is also environmentally friendly. So there are a lot of qualities I find we can learn from those 10 desires that can help us create businesses that have qualities that actually work. And, of course, those desires really do work in reality because I've given some examples of them in the book. Um, and they also tell us then that we can have a thriving business uh, that is optionally globally successful because there are some that are doing that very well and in an economy that actually is very stable as well, all thanks to friendship. All thanks to friendship. And at the core, yep. we're all emotional beings who need, have desires that need to be met. Great way to, to end this segment before we go to the break. And so just a reminder, take a look at my website. We'll see you back here on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, shedding light on our dark side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, and welcome back to the final segment of today's show. We have been talking about friendship, leadership, business, and a lot more. My guest, Winfred Scott, is the author of the newly published book titled The Friendship Key to Lasting Peace, 
united communities, stronger relationships, equality, and a better job. And I call him Winfred Scott. As Winfred said, Hoff, sorry about that, Winfred. Thank you. So <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. So, right. you know, I, I'm i just so wrapped up in the conversation. It's been so, so, so helpful for me. And I, it just reminds me of so many different things. And you've spoken passionately, you know, about this primal force that we all need to nurture in all of our relationships with one another. And so, Winfred, I, here's the task for you as we you, we consider the mass of things that we've talked about over this past hour, all the insights that you've shared with us. Boil those down into, you know, say three or four things. What should we all be thinking about in terms of friendship, making it a centerpiece of our lives as a leader, maybe as, as a follower, and in our businesses? Yeah, look... I've given that a little bit of thought, and look, to be honest with you, I break it down into three main things, to be honest. And the first one is, I think we need to recognize the positive power and potential that friendship has. To me, that's number one, because I think we completely underestimate what its potential is and what it can do and how much it can fix and improve our lives personally and in our business and socially. So to me, I mean, even in business, friendship means sales and success. That's ultimately what it means. Number two for me is um, to make friendship our priority. I mean, this isn't going to work for us if we have other priorities that are more important friendship all the time. Um, friendship can't really infuse in our lives very well if we're always worried about something else. Um, and it should be important for er- and, and be a priority for everyone uh, associated with a business because then it can spread everywhere through the customers, through the staff, and the whole business psychology. And for me, three then is um, practice meeting those 10 desires of friendship. That's kind of why I break them into 10 components something usable that we can all work on and practice with each other every day. And in the book, I break that down for how managers can do it, workers can do it, and even do it with customers. Because like I said, I mean, we're more likely to buy from a friend than we are an enemy. So if we can come across as being friendly, it works for us on so many levels in building a business. And of course, um, building a thriving business and economies is all this, what this is all about, and that's what friendship can help us to do. And that's what I like to try and remind everyone with this these different chapters in the book. Mm-hmm. Yes, think of it as a positive, all the outcomes that come from it. And it's, it goes back to like we were saying in the beginning, is framing and thinking about reframing friendship in terms of it is, a, it's, it's at the core of, in essence of who we are as human beings to have that kinship in place. And I agree with you, what you're saying. And, you know, practice 10 desires. So, or practice the 10 desires. Let's say, let's take the one about feeling valued. What, what, what might be a way for us to reflect on that or to practice okay, it, for so example? Okay, so suppose you're a manager. One of the ways you can make your staff feel valued would be to have certain meetings, make time for them. Mm-hmm. Because when I look at valued, I look at it, how can you make someone feel valued without, say, giving them a present or money? Um, and as human beings, we didn't have money for very long. So I go back to children. How do you make a child feel valued? What is the most valuable thing a parent can give a child? And yes, it's true, it's love, but within the love, there is time. The most Mm -hmm. precious thing we usually have is time. So if we really want to show that we value someone, we make the time. And of course, we be on time. Mm -hmm. I mean, how unimportant do you feel if everyone's making more time for everything else and then you're the last thing on the list? Okay, it makes us feel almost worthless. Mm -hmm. That's true for children as it is for adults. And it's true for members of our staff as well. But if we make time for them and show that we actually listen and we want to hear their ideas, then they feel valued. 
and they, they, if we make them feel that they're appreciated and they're contributing. I've had many people come to tell me as workers who say, look, the best managers are the ones who do that for me and they make me feel great and then they get the most out of me because then, of course, then I don't get sick. I want to be here and I want to make the business better. So I think yes. as leaders, we sometimes forget that being valued is really important and we can all do that in very simple ways and practice it. And, of course, it means being on time too. Okay, we have it to sure make does. time and be on yeah, that, that's perfect. That's what I'm looking for. And so everyone listening out there, because like like I said earlier, we could not go through all the list of desires. What Winford just gave to you and gave to all of us was here's how we look at value. One dimension of that is time. And what are you doing to demonstrate value to others? Because Winfred, I agree with you. Value, sure, money and all that stuff. That's that seems to be secondary. We have these human needs that need to be fulfilled, those desires and relationships is really at the core of it. All right, Winfred, thank you very, very, very much for your time, for coming, getting up at one o'clock in the morning, your time to call in from Australia <laughs> to be on my show. <laughs> I mean, thank talk you, about it. Yes, I, I, I'm so grateful that you were here. One more question for you. Before we go, how can or what's the best way for the listening audience to get a hold of you if they want to contact you? Absolutely. So they can get me via my webpage, which is winfriedsedhoff.com, so W-I-N-F-R-I-E-D-S-E-D-H-O-F-F.com, um, and then they can press a link and email me via that site as well. Or they can catch me on Facebook. Um, the book has a Facebook page. Um, and I am available on LinkedIn as well if they want to catch me there as well. Fantastic. And also, for the listeners, if you uh, you can also go to this website, find me on voiceamerica.com, and his contact information is right there for you. Thank you again, Winfred. And for all the guests Thank out you, there, Matthew. if you have a... You bet. And for all the guests or all the listeners out there, if you've got a topic that you want to hear or you want to have someone be on the show, please contact me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Go to Facebook, LinkedIn. And until the next time we meet again, harness your positive energy, lead transformation, and we'll talk again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.